are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 48. Welcome to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits, everyone. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and it is an honor and a privilege to have you back for another show here during the coronavirus, COVID-19 quarantine. Coming up on six weeks for me in the middle of this. And it is it is what it is. And I hope that you all have found a place that you can be comfortable and you can have your space and you can continue your studies and you can do all the things that you needed to do in order to keep you know, some semblance of normalcy, to keep your life going in the right direction, to get the grades you need to, right? You know, uh, I've no doubt there'll be some passes that the administration and the schools will give to those who had a less than fortunate experience during this quarantine. But grades aren't necessarily just for yourself. Um, Actually, let me take that back. They're not just for the grade. They're for the experiences and the learning that you take on so that you can feel accomplished and get the grades that will allow you to get the degree that will allow you to have that career that you so desire. Right? I mean, grades aren't just for yourself in as much as they're so much more than that. And they're also so much less than that. I know it's a confusing message. Follow me here. Looking back at my college experience, um, I got A's in some great classes, then never went on to do anything at all with that knowledge that I gained. I got some C's in some classes that I should have nailed, but I didn't put enough effort into them. And now I kick ass at those things, at those skills that I was supposed to get to learn and get a C in, you know, writing. I was not the best writer in college, got many, many, many a C. Now I've written a book, just finished my first life coaching program. I've, I've written blogs and I've, and I've written for a sports website and used to travel the world and put together um, like a tabloid-sized marketing and advertising report of all these different countries. Things that I once wasn't good in college, I am very good in now because I started putting in the time to practice and I just kept going and going and going and learning and learning and learning until I finally got good. And one of the reasons I was able to accomplish this because of my ability to see limiting beliefs within myself and to overcome those. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, is limiting beliefs. I've let um, a couple episodes of this show really, you know, just talking about the emotions uh, that you might be going through, how to overcome this new world that where you've been thrust into as far as your grades go and your semester and, and everything. And in my other show, From Sobriety to Recovery, um, I've been covering some really just 
really amazing topics over there. And this week I did a three-part series on limiting beliefs, setting impossible goals, and then massive action, which is the kind of action you take to achieve those impossible goals, which you're able to accomplish because you release limiting beliefs. Now, this isn't the first time that I've covered this in College Success Habits, and it won't be the last because I truly, truly believe that limiting beliefs are what hold us back our entire lives from reaching the potential that we see within ourselves. And in many cases, limiting beliefs can cause us to not even see the potential that we have inside of ourselves because we've been wired, programmed, told, we've believed whatever was shown to us, whatever was told to us, we've believed these limiting ideas, these limitations that were told to us that we put upon ourselves. And it became this story that we always followed, right? When you're a little kid and you're not really aware of what's happening in the world, what's actually happening in your unconscious mind is that you're recording all the little intricacies of life around you. And you're starting to come up with a value and a belief system that you don't even realize is happening. And by the time you get old enough to realize that it's happened to you, then you hit your teenage years when you hit puberty and you have to go into high school where everyone feels uncomfortable in their own skin, except for maybe like, you know, super popular athletes and whoever in your school was the ones who just seemed like they were, they ran the show and were the bullies. Everybody else is just sort of there in the sphere, just trying to figure out their awkwardness. And so while you're trying to develop who you're going to be as an adult, Uh, Because your body is starting to grow and it's starting to trigger these hormones that tell you that you're moving into adulthood. Uh, What's happening mentally is that you're being, to me anyways, mentally and emotionally, you're being stunted because of all of this world that's happening to you outside. All these external triggers, all these external indicators are happening and you're wanting to develop your own way. You're wanting to become your own person, but you're not really having that opportunity because you're trying to navigate the shark infested waters that is high school life. Let's do a quick little history of limiting beliefs before I dive too much deeper into high school and college. That limiting beliefs are these ideas that something external controls what it is that you can and cannot do. If you have ever muttered the sentence, well, I can't do that because, I don't know how to because, I'm not going to ever be able to do that because, I can't have this job because, you start to put the reason why you can't do something on something that's external, that's not internal, coming from yourself. When you give the power to accomplish something to a force outside of yourself, what you end up doing is costing yourself that opportunity to push yourself toward that achievement. So limiting beliefs are passed down from generation to generation from not just you know, your parents and your grandparents and your, and your siblings, but from society in general. And what ends up happening is that if you're born, if you're raised in a community, born into a community that believes a certain thing, and everybody believes this, and you know, this could be where racism comes from, this could be sexism comes from, it just 
you know, you think about if you were raised in a very feminist household, how you might see what women can accomplish in life way different than if you were raised in a misogynistic household, right? And these, these beliefs are put upon you at a very young age. In many cases, you start to uh, absorb them in the womb. And definitely when you come out as a baby, um, I recently got done reading a really amazing article uh, by Lumosity, which is a brain app, uh, talking about if babies can think or not. And I d- the definition for what this person who wrote it, uh, they, one of the, the definitions that they quoted was that some scientists had said that the ability to think is determined by the ability to put into words the world and the life around you. And that's debatable, and I don't necessarily believe it, but where I want to go with it is the idea that just because a baby can't necessarily use words to describe what's happening around it, it doesn't mean that that baby's not recording everything that it sees. Because it can't communicate with ver- with words, because it can only communicate with um, its facial expressions, it's the sounds it makes, the, the crying or the laughing, because the communication of a baby is so confined to uh, this very limited structure, what ends up happening is that the baby is recording everything that it sees, and it's learning from the adults around it uh, the kind of behaviors and facial expressions and actions it needs to take on in order to get what it needs. If it needs food, it knows crying gets gets it picked up, and now cries a little bit more, and food will come. Cries a little bit more, Oh, now I need to change the diaper. Laughs, then the human laughs. Uh, Cry, the human gets sad and immediately jumps in to take care of it. It's recording all of this. And it's also recording those little behaviors you don't even realize that you're doing around the baby. Right? This is where I think, you know, you can start to instill things like racism and sexism into a child at a very young age before they even fully understand what it is they're seeing. You know, you could um, have a mother who clutched the purse a little bit tighter, pulled you a little bit nearer whenever you were a child, and they only did this whenever a certain person of color walked by. And now you start to realize, oh, okay, well, when a black person walks by me, um, I must be more safe because mom always pulled me in. Uh, She always held onto her purse differently. Um, I'm white, so I use that as my first example, but perhaps you're black, and whenever your family walked by a scuzzo-looking white dude back whenever you were kids, or you you crossed the street, or whenever a police officer would get near you, you'd see your parents tense up. And I read a really amazing article about how... um, White parents don't have to talk to their kids about how to interact with police officers, whereas black parents have to do that. And this is something that they probably see at a very young age. So then police officers become something to fear instead of something to feel safe around. Right? That's a belief system that's getting passed down. In many cases, the parents will have many examples for why they um, act racist, why that's an acceptable behavior, Um Many parents will have examples of why uh, police are to be feared rather than to be um, lauded for the safety they provide, right? These are all beliefs, and we're not going to get into whether racism is right or wrong or sexism is right or wrong, because obviously I come from an open-minded world where I believe that racism and sexism are not okay. 
You know, I, I was not raised to think those were acceptable behaviors. I was raised by a very open-minded mother who did not tolerate um, any kind of closed-minded behavior out of me. And by not tolerate, I mean that when she saw it happening, she would sit me down and explain to me why that that was not behavior that was becoming of the man that she knew I could grow up to become. So she was very mindful of certain limiting beliefs not becoming instilled in me. She was not as mindful of the limiting beliefs that she wasn't aware of that she had. So when she was, so when she was going to raise me, um, there were certain things that I was just taught, you know, probably not going to be able to pull off. You know, there had never been a doctor or a lawyer in the family. So she'd say things like, you know, you're really good at talking and, and you're really good. Uh, you love to read and you're, you like to write. So you're probably going to be really well off, you know, doing something like a, in a journalistic field, uh, being an author, something like that. And I'd say, well, you know, what about being an astronaut? I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a little kid. Well, you know, you're not great at numbers and uh, that takes a lot of math and you don't really have that in your history, and neither do we as a family. So that's probably not going to be something we're going to be able to pull off without lots of hard work. But it was sort of just told to me that I wasn't going to be able to pull that off as a, as an, you know, that wasn't going to be something I was going to be able to do. And this is her limiting belief, but I I took it on, I absorbed it because I what did I know? I don't know any better. I'm a little kid. So. What, let's circle this back around to the point is that you've been taking on these these limiting beliefs about what it is you can and cannot do since you were in the womb, since you were a little kid. And now you're an adult. You're in high school. You f- you, you're fighting your way through those through that insanity, right? And you get off into college, and this is where all those limiting beliefs about yourself, all those fears, all those things that you that you hide in the shadows, all of a sudden... You're left out in the wild with very little parental supervision to dictate if you continue to behave that way, if you act appropriately. It's, you're in charge now. For the most part, you're going to be the one who determines who you become from here on out. Teachers will play a role in that. Your parents will continue to play a role in that. But you get to be 18 to 25 when your brain takes on its full level of development and really starts to become what it's going to become. And you're the one who makes all these choices on what to believe. If you were raised in a conservative household, would you like to be more liberal? If you were raised in a liberal household, would you like to be more conservative? If you were raised thinking that people of a different race, ethnic, ethnicity, creed, color, whatever has you, um, are not people to be trusted or be friends with, do you choose to go the opposite way? And just do you choose to be more inclusive with your friends? These limiting beliefs that were, that were shown to you throughout your childhood when you had no control over them, when you, just were, you were a spectator in your life, really, you know, you were told when to eat, when to go to bed, what to wear, uh, what to study, how long to study. All of these things were not left up to you. And now you're in high school. Now you're in college. And now it's your choice. You might have a limiting belief about whether you can study online during this corona crisis and that you can still get good grades because previously you've only studied in a classroom. You were told to be at this class at this particular time to read these particular pages and a bell went off and you went to the next classroom and so on and so forth. Then you get to college and all of a sudden you have a class at 8.30, a class at 11.30, a class at 1.45 and another one at 5.15. And all this free time in between. 
Do you go? Do you stay? Go to the library and study? Do you go back to home and play video games? Do you go to the bar and start drinking? Do you go down to the pool and start hanging out with all your friends, playing beer pong? And before you know it, you've skipped the next three classes because ah, fuck it, I'll make it up next time. You're getting to choose all of these things, and that is the beauty of college that you get to choose what you want to do. You get to choose what you believe about yourself. You can choose right now to think that this corona quarantine isn't anything to freak out about, that whatever happens, happens, that people will be safe as much as they can be, that we'll lose a lot of citizens because of this, but that we'll come out of it, we'll honor those that died, and, and we'll cherish life more, and we'll be more inclusive, and we won't hoard toilet paper for no reason. <laughs> The only thing that determines what you can do and what you cannot do is you. You determine what you can accomplish and what you cannot accomplish. It might be a fact that you don't understand Pythagorean's theorem. I don't understand Pythagoras' theorem. I have yet to find a reason to know that theorem in my entire life. (laughs) After Mr. Askins taught me that in high school... I think it was my junior year in algebra, geometry, or whatever. I have not needed to call upon that knowledge whatsoever. And because of the internet, which did not exist in 1994 in the way that it does now, I don't need to know it. I do not need to know it by heart. If I need to know that theorem, I'll go Google it, and I'll figure it out then. My point is that you decide what you can and cannot accomplish. Just because you're not the best at something doesn't mean that you can't work your ass off at it until you get better. In order to release limiting beliefs that you have been raised with, that have been imprinted and implanted upon you, and then whether you realize it or not, you begin to match and mirror, it is up to you to decide to make those changes. Some kids are a little bit more elevated than others. On the emotional maturity spectrum, they age a little bit differently. They, they think a little bit differently. It makes me think of that. I think it's Greta Thunberg. Uh, I know her, I know her first name is Greta. She's on the cover of the Rolling Stone this particular month. If you're listening to this in the archives, then this could be at whatever time period before. But in the April issue of the Rolling Stone, she's on the cover of it. And um, you know, I mean, the thing she's got Aspergers, so she got very focused with pinpoint accuracy on the environmental um, issues that the world is facing because she saw a documentary and. Um, I've known many people, I still know many people with Asperger's, and there's an ability to get focused on something uh, almost to the point of obsession. And it can be, you know, a benefit or it can be a detractor, depending on how you determine, you know, you're going to look at that. If you have Asperger's yourself, you decide whether it's a benefit or not. If you're friends with somebody who has that or they're a family member, you decide whether that's a benefit or not. She has turned it into a benefit, you know, and she went off in it, you know, high school, uh, started, you know, not going to class and sitting out in front of parliament in um, Sweden, I believe it was, and uh, started saying, no, why should I care about my future if you guys don't care about my future? Why do I need to learn all this stuff if you're not going to care about the environment? Rather than take on this limiting belief that she's just one kid, what kind of change can she possibly make? She decided to sit out in front of parliament and demand action from her leaders. Now it's a worldwide movement. So you will grow and develop at whatever pace you do, and neither is right or wrong. If you were had the mental acuity 
of a 20-year-old at 12, congratulations. If you were a slow learner, okay, that's another way to go about it. Either way, it doesn't speak anything about your morals, your character, your values. Everybody develops at their own rate. Your trauma is not your fault. Healing from it is your responsibility. What happened to you as a child is not your fault. You were only in so much control over the life that was happening around you. Overcoming the things that were implanted in you whether it be racism or sexism or whatever else it might be, overcoming those things, that is your responsibility. That is like the essence of what it is you're trying to accomplish here. If you hold on to these limiting beliefs that were put inside of you by other people who don't have to live your life, and then you look down the road and you end up wanting to blame them, for all this BS that has been supposedly holding you back, that's on you. You chose to let all that nonsense stay with you. Whether you're 21 years old or not and are illegal to drink or not, you hit 18, legally they're calling you an adult. Now, was I acting like an adult at 18? No. Was I acting like an adult at 21? No. 25, nope again. 30, (laughs) doubt it. 35, eh, a little bit. 40, okay, started to finally click. (laughs) Just because somebody has two kids at 27 and a job and a mortgage does not mean that they are knocking adulting out of the park. Just because you've accomplished things in the physical world does not mean that you are 100% adulting. Understanding your emotional blocks, understanding the emotional anchors that have been holding you back, understanding why you get triggered emotionally, figuring out what it is that you were traumatized by as a child Figure out what what it was that traumatized you at any point in your life. And instead of using it as an anchor, using it as wings. These are the kind of behaviors you can see within yourself that can help alert you to your level of adulting or not. Being emotionally abusive towards people simply because you are beating yourself up inside, is not adulting. Thinking that you're better than someone else because you have a higher IQ than them, or a bigger bank account, or a nicer car, is not adulting. Thinking that you are more spiritually lifted than somebody else because you can hold a yoga pose for 27 minutes and they can barely get into downward dog, is not adulting. In fact, believing those things about yourself is limiting. Because if you think that you can raise yourself above somebody else simply for an external thing that you have or have accomplished, you are limiting the heights at which you truly can rise 
Because if you think that you are better than other people for these accomplishments, at what point do you think that you finally reached all the accomplishments that you can? Worse is where you think that by destroying others, that that somehow makes you because it, because it does let's say it does make you more accomplished in the in the outside world that so that by destroying others that it, it makes you feel more accomplished in the outside world it somehow makes you think on the inside that you are a fully um actualized adult i'm watching a show on amazon prime right now called the men who made america and it should be called the men who destroyed america it should be called the men who took the morals, ethics, and values that we were trying to build this country upon and demolish them. It's got Rockefeller. It's got J.P. Morgan. It's got um, Carnegie. It's got Vanderbilt. I know Ford's getting ready to come up. I'm surprised it hasn't already brought up Duke. My point is that these men were ruthless. In order to have more money and to grow their company, and to become even more and more and more, I mean, sickly wealthy. At one point, I think Rockefeller is worth like what would amount to like $80 billion in today's money. He's worth back then. He can, completely controls all the all the kerosene in the entire country, like 90% of it. Uh, Vanderbilt at one point controlled like 90% of the railways. Um, Carnegie Steel controlled 90% of all buildings being grown. And these these men would systematically destroy other companies in order to buy them up, but in the process, send the country into depression, send the country into recessions, bankrupt people who didn't have all that much, and make the poor even poorer. This show should be called The Men Who Built Their Fortunes on the Back of the Working Poor. These people were not self-actualized. These people should not be lauded. By no means do they have a historical background as violent and as vilifying and as horrible as Christopher Columbus has. Thank goodness we got rid of that holiday. But to sit here and have amazing structures that we revere in New York City and around the country named after these robber barons who just took and took and took and had no empathy or sympathy or compassion for the poverty that they left in their wake for the way they hurt people. This isn't, these are not people that we should look up to as, as the symbols of, of democracy. They're definitely symbols of capitalism <laughs> and their, their, their behavior should seem, should be seen as a warning sign, not something to be lauded and revered. Their limiting beliefs about what they thought it was to be successful caused them to destroy just as much as they as, as they created. Your ability to see within yourself how some of your actions and behaviors are actually destroying you and not creating the best version of you will be imperative to be mindful and self-aware of as you grow older and you become even more and more and more, not only in charge of your life, but in charge of other people's lives. As you grow older, if children are part of your, your plan, maybe they already are, now you're in charge of somebody else's life. Are you paying attention to how your limiting beliefs about what it is you think you can do are affecting the way you're raising your child? What is it that they're seeing your behaviors demonstrate to them? 
Are you aware of what your grandparents or or your great-grandparents may have instilled in you that's causing you to behave in a certain way? Think about anybody who would... uh, We all had a grandparent. um, Well, depending on what age I'm finding you at, there's, there's a grandparent in your life who lived through the Great Depression of the late 20s. And because of that, many of our grandparents were hoarders. Right? They thought that they, they, they needed to hoard everything because they because they once knew what it was like to have nothing, to sleep on the ground in the same dirty ragamuffin clothes month after month after month, to eat very unoften. So they started to hoard. They they took on this scarcity mindset and then they passed that on to their children, who passed it on to their children, who maybe passed it on to you if I've got this generational <laughs> a metaphor working the right way. And then you're passing it on to your kids. You have to be mindful of the limiting beliefs that are being passed down from generation to generation. Yes, when your grandparents got older and had kids of their own, teaching them to a penny saved is a penny earned and to be more frugal and to not throw away things just for no good reason, that was probably a very good behavior strategy to take on because it was a lot harder to come by things back then. Now we live in a world of 99-cent stores and Family Dollar and Walmarts and cheap plastic shit that's getting made over in China and sent over here that proliferates our dumpsters and and our landfills. We don't need to hoard things anymore. It's not too hard to come buy stuff. You can go to Goodwill and buy a toaster for $3. You don't need seven of them. I keep showing examples so that you will be able to draw the line in your life where your limiting beliefs exist and the ones that you want to release. The limiting beliefs you might have about what you can accomplish in school, what you can accomplish in your life, the amount of money you can make, the kind of family you can raise, the kind of family member you can be, the kind of spirituality that you can reach, the kind of physical body you can have, the kind of mental acuity you can possess, the kind of emotional um, strength but also the ability to be vulnerable and and to cry and to express your emotions in a healthy manner that doesn't cause strife and hardship toward others. These these are the limiting beliefs you want to recognize that you might have around yourself in regards to all those examples I gave and the other 10,000 that you can think of on your own without me instigating one kind of thought pattern. As I close up this episode, what it's important for me to pass on as my message for this podcast is one, this will not be the last time we talk about limiting beliefs because I see them everywhere. I see them in me. That even though I have done all of this master practitioner of NLP studying, and and even though I've achieved some really great things, I also think that there's certain barriers I cannot break through. So I put my attention towards those. I think about what is the limiting belief that's, that's holding me back? What's the impossible goal that I can set on the other side of that limiting belief? And what are the steps of massive, massive action that I can take in order to achieve that impossible goal that is going to take me releasing this limiting belief about myself? It's going to take me releasing this limiting belief I have about myself in order for me to have the life and the lifestyle that I've always desired in order for me to have the life that I have dreamed of. You get two choices every morning. You either, you either wake up and let your dreams pass you by, or you get your ass up and you chase them down. I'm sure that's a meme somewhere on Instagram, 
But it's a fact. And for those people who kept chasing after that dream, each day they had to overcome another limiting belief. Each day they had to overcome another self-imposed limitation. Each day they had to overcome a world limitation. They had to overcome the limiting beliefs of the people closest to them who all they were trying to do was protect them, right? If your parents say, no, you know, you shouldn't try to become an astronaut, it may not be because they think you're, you're, you're stupid or you couldn't, but they, they want to protect you from the disappointment that might come from you not being the one out of 175,000 people who apply for that every year. It's, <laughs> I mean, think about the NFL draft just happened last night. First round just happened. 32 people got drafted. There was no doubt plenty of people who told them, you cannot achieve this. Being drafted into the NFL is one of the most difficult things that can happen in sports. It's a very small draft. It's very difficult to be in physical shape that allows you to attain the kind of uh, body that would even remotely make you eligible for that league. And then on top of it, to be one of the 32 that year who were taken in the first round, in five years, less than half of those players will still be in the league. In 10 years, less than three of those players will still be in the league. You can go back and look at all these drafts. Once you get to about that five-year mark, you don't, there's names on there you didn't even recognize. But at one point, they were considered the best at their position coming out of college. And they couldn't even make it in the league for three years. But they overcame so many limiting beliefs to get to the NFL. What made it so that they couldn't keep overcoming the limiting beliefs when they got there? You know, a blown-out knee, a messed-up shoulder. Yeah, those things are going to happen. And that physically, they may have had to walk off the field and say, I can't do this anymore. At 43 years old, yes, there are certain things that physically I cannot do like I did when I was 18. That's not limiting beliefs. That is just mere reality. And as you grow older, yes, your physical body will begin to break down. Your mental acuity may not stay as sharp as it is now. Your ability to handle your emotions is going to change. Your, your spiritual grounding is going to change. Your physical body, will, everything will change. The physical, I'm in, I'm in the best physical condition of my entire life. I still can't necessarily go out there and run a marathon in under four hours. There's no way in hell I'd slap a, put a skateboard underneath my feet and try to go down the, to the Venice Skate Park and do, you know, 640 or whatever the hell I used to call those things. <laughs> I ain't not getting on a skateboard. I hit the ground, I ain't going to break something. 18? I hit the ground, I bounced up a lot. Point of, the fact of the matter is, is that you will change. You will evolve. You will grow. And you will grow in ways that you never saw coming. You will perceive some of those growths as positive and some of those as negative. It's all in your perspective. You'll figure out whether you see them as positive or negative when you get there. Just be mindful of the limiting beliefs that might be holding you back right now that won't even allow you to get to the point of feeling that accomplishment. Your limiting beliefs could hold you back so you don't even have the chance to turn around and ask yourself, was that good or bad? Because when you turn around, the experience isn't even there. Because you stopped yourself before you even got started. Thank you so much for listening to College Success Habits. As always, I am honored to have you here. Inclusivity over exclusivity to the power of positive energy, release and flow. Go out there, do what you need to do to be great. 
We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 